Hey, what's up? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Big four. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Nathan Youssef, host of Hatch House. Today I have Will Pellerin, Blaine Holcomb, Corey Ellison on sound. And from Fort Smith, Arkansas, a songwriter in town, Jay Burgess is here. So welcome, Jay, to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Also, uh, Blaine has told me that you are the star of an upcoming Paramount show called Music City Hustle. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to talk about it. Oh. He, he told me, like, you know, rattle off some resume things, and that was the first thing he brought up. So Was Paramount the show that never happened? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, he, he asked me today, he's like, I want to try to, like, come up with some, like, good ways to start these podcasts. Like, what's... <laughs> What's like a fun fact about James? I said, just say he's the uh, don't you know, star don't play. You were the one who got me into that. <laughs> I mean, let me hear it because like, well, I told him that we would tell the story. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you can, if you want to tell the story. Or, okay. Well, yeah. from you're the one who. So he calls me one day and he's like, "Hey, man." He's, he's, <laughs> All right. So I'll start it then. So because I'll, I'll, I'll start no, like, like how the I met them and yeah, yeah okay. and, then, and then I'll I'll hand it to you. So yeah. this was what this maybe close to three years ago maybe now I think it was 2021. Yeah. Uh, but I was playing down on Broadway and I was playing at the Valentine and there was these two people, this guy and this girl, um, that sitting there and after the show they approached me and they told me that they were with Paramount and they said they were here to like cast this new um basically like country music or music uh reality show. It's going to be called Music City they Hustle. Look, they look normal. Like there wasn't any. No, they didn't really look normal. Okay. But so they, they, yeah, yeah. So we'll get into that. But they, well, they, cuts. they basically were telling me all this, and they were they, um, they said they wanted to start this TV show, whatever, with Paramount, and uh, it's going to be called Music City Hustle. And they said that uh, they're like, hey, like we we want to pay you like twenty five grand an episode, and so. So right then, so this, so I kind of learned a lot from this experience. But right then, how old were like, you? This, what? How old were you? It was only three years ago. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Like, I was still. So I, was I not can't too, say that yeah. you're young. I was like no, naive. I was like you know, <laughs> just like last twenty eight or twenty nine. Okay. Uh, but uh, so, but like when they when they when when you first meet somebody and they say that and then they tell you they want to pay you twenty five grand an episode, it kind of gets your attention. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm like, all right. So then. Then they're like, yeah, well, we got a few people. We need a couple other people for the show, you know, whatever. And so then I'm thinking of my friends, whatever. So I call him up and I'm like, hey, you know, there's, you know, got this opportunity, like you know, it's a crazy thing, whatever. They're going to pay us freaking 25 grand an episode. So then I told him that he should do it. So I kind of roped him into it. So yeah. we, we started. <laughs> I think at yeah. all. <laughs> so we started. The, and, and so the first like couple times we record, we were supposed to like film with these people like it was started to get fishy. Like uh, the further we went with it, yeah. nothing ever had, like n- nobody got damaged. I don't think nobody got like no. lost money or well, signed a contract. They couldn't get out the, of the studio. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, so we did lose that. some, we did, we, so we did, if you want to, yeah. So we lost some money as far as the studio goes, we still got some songs out of it that we can put out, but like we ended up, wait, like, so you went and recorded. So yeah. So that was like the final straw, but like, we recorded, like an anthem? filmed a couple of things. What's that? <laughs> you recorded like the anthem, like Music City Hustle, like anthem. No, no, no. We recorded. They wanted, some, to, they wanted to do like some stuff. behind the scenes, like what it's like to record in Nashville. Yeah. So we booked a studio and we booked the players and we went in and I cut two songs and he cut two wow. songs. And uh, and they were supposed to pay for it all. But then, of course, they're total frauds. It was the, 
So to back up, like just to sum it up quick, I guess, and then you can speak on it too. But yeah. these two jackasses were total frauds. They weren't. They had phony business cards that with a Paramount logo on it. They had phony uh-huh. email addresses. They were pretending to be lawyers when they weren't lawyers. But um, they were deliberate about it. They weren't just like two oh, yeah. people that. No, they no. They had a plan. We don't know what the in. we don't. Yeah. Oh yeah, we don't know what the <laughs> final plan was. But they had like a they okay. had a plan. Okay. It, okay. it was like a legit uh, scheme that they were they were trying to do like. We didn't. We we figured it out and got out of it before anything bad happened. Like before we signed a contract that like locked us into some, you know. So we don't really know what their final deal was, what they were trying to get out of us. But we finally saw the red flags and and uh, and blew the whistle on it. And then we told all the other artists that were involved to just you know get wow. you know. And we we basically ran them out of town. But yeah, these they were they were two low lifes, like two complete scumbags that were trying to take advantage of us. Um, and yeah, so we, anyway, we ended up filming some things with them and it kind of looked a little fishy. Like they had the stupid little camera. Like yeah, thing, it was right, like per- a cheap $200 like, camera. Yeah, it's like, like Paramount, like where's the big production crew? Where's the big cameras? Yeah. You know, where's, and so we actually filmed one, one thing at your house. And then it, like, <laughs> I mean, like a campfire in the backyard. We had a bonfire party. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, they just set this tripod up with this stupid little camera and that was it. Like, it was like, so then we go, so we go to, once we booked this, so we booked the studio session and around that time is when we started to get weary. Yeah. And so, but we didn't want to cancel the studio session because we'd already booked the players. Like the band was booked, the session was booked. So we're like, all right, we'll go through with it. So as we're going, as I'm driving to the studio in Franklin, um, I had, I had called my lawyer the day before because they'd made a sign, they made a sign a contract and to start this thing. But then they they never they I signed it and then and then my lawyer looked at it and then they never signed it and sent it back so it technically was a void contract, um, and so I called my lawyer and I was telling him all this stuff and he's like well wait a minute he goes they haven't even signed the contract and sent it back to me so like they shouldn't even be filming you at all so that's when we figured it all out so then we get to we get to the studio in Franklin and. And uh, my lawyer had basically been in touch with them and just blew the whole thing up. And so the guy shows up and he's there and he's supposed to be filming us behind the scenes in the studio. But he's outside pacing around on the phone because he's trying to figure out how to get himself out of this mess because he basically knows his cover's been blown because my lawyer called him out on it. And he doesn't he's trying to make up excuses as to what what to do. And so anyway, we didn't want to like we didn't want to let any of the the session players know what was going on or anything. Yeah. So, so we just went with it, went, went along with the session. I cut two songs. He cut two songs. Were they good? Great songs. Yeah. I put, yeah, I put my they, songs they out already. I cut, yeah, I cut, uh, two songs that him and I wrote together. I cut yeah. when it comes to love and I ain't making that up and, and nice. uh, released them on an EP. Uh, he cut two songs that we wrote, that we wrote together as well that he's hasn't released yet, but is probably going to yeah, at some point. I love but we got we got four good songs out of it. The only catch was we had to pay for the session ourselves because yeah. those guys were supposed to flip the bill, and then of course okay. they were frauds. But that's actually a good ending of of how yeah. it could go. Like right. that's, yeah. that's yeah. not a bad we, ending. We, like yeah. I said, we were able to figure it out before been living in some guy's basement. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It, putting it, toothpaste it, on his toothbrush. Yeah, took him in at night. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So it was my fu- it was my fault yeah. for getting Jabe into it. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah. I think I think that they were actually trying to sell a show. Oh, you know, because it. Why would you go through? Yeah, you, I mean, uh, they, yeah, your 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 uh, theory was that they were trying to put together like a pitch. Yeah, they were pitch trying it to, to Paramount like, or something like a pilot like, type. Yeah. You know, 
And because it, they were putting in a lot of effort. And so it was like, that's why I was like, you know, that, that, that camera does look like a $200 camera, but maybe yeah. it's like raw, you know, like. Remember that we went the, golfing the one day? Yeah, we went golfing. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> we, we drove down to Columbia to a golf course and went golfing and he filmed us like walking around the golf course. Like Weird. they wanted to film like daily lives of musicians. Or when it all started going like south and like we kind of realized, I started like reaching out to some of the other artists. Yeah. And uh, oh, there were uh, there were they had, they had there ten. ten. They had ten of oh. us. Yeah, I, I I knew like one other guy. We should do a reunion. We all tell our yeah. stories. Yeah. When was the moment everyone found out that yeah. this is no? But I, I messaged strange. one of them, and he he like messaged them, and then they they came and they were like, "Hey, do not contact any of the other artists." Yeah. And like, kind of like threatened. Don't, like, yeah. yeah. She, she, she sent us a, the girl, she sent us a big long like text, him and I, yeah. but like, don't talk to anybody about this. It's top secret. Like, it's big long text. Well, yeah. If they're walking around uh, <laughs> purporting to be Paramount uh, and they get caught by Paramount, yeah, right. then they would be sued. Right. Yeah. They had business cards literally. And I'm sure they didn't have their real names on there. I'm sure they had fake names. The yeah, guy's name was Justin Chance. I yeah, I was yes. trying to think what his name <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah. Oh man, I wish yeah. I wish we knew their legal names because I bet you, you could trace them just a couple. Yeah. Other uh, we 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 tried to look up like my lawyer looked up their phone numbers and stuff and like yeah. you know though there are a lot of cases of businesses that get started from stuff like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. and they they just I think a lot of people start something that's a little bit fraudulent or very fraudulent hoping that along the way they figure it out or get people involved that help them figure it yeah, out. Right. I mean, so, these guys weren't even trying to like fake it though. Like these guys had the Paramount logo on their business cards. Yeah. That's, that's Paramount. straight up fraud. But yeah. I'm sure your theory of like, you know, let me yeah. film this pilot. Right. right. And then let me pitch it. There's other ways to go about it, but would people stick around if they didn't have the Paramount logo? No, the, sad, the sad part is I would probably do it. Yeah. If they're, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like if they're like, Hey, we can't pay anything, but we got an idea. Maybe we can pitch. Yeah. Right. I don't, yeah. Who cares? It be free content. Yeah. 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 Right. And, right. and I would have done it for free. Yeah. If uh, they would have just been honest about yeah. it. Yeah. Or whatever they're trying to do. Right. You know, I don't know. I felt like they maybe were trying to scam, like scam something out of us, but maybe not. Maybe it was money. just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, you know, you know, being on Broadway, these types of things happen. Oh yeah. Yeah, they do. Like it's happened in the past. So about 10 years ago, um, it happened to a group of artists on Broadway. I heard this story where they actually got screwed. They signed a contract. They had to pay like thousands of dollars. Like they got in this contract for like a couple of years. Like they got in, in deep shit over it. Really? Yeah. Somebody scammed them. Yeah. Interesting. People will come up all the time saying like, Oh, I work for a record company or, you know, like, yeah. Oh, I know so-and-so. You know, do you, like, cause you've been playing on Broadway for how long now? Three years. Three. Okay. Yeah. Not, not too long, but, but you, at this point, you kind of know what's up a little bit faster. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's just, I, I'd been on Broadway for like seven years at the time and they still scammed my ass. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It just, in my, I don't know, in my heart, I was like, why, what are they going to, I'm not giving them any money. Like yeah. what? What's the scam? Yeah, yeah. But I will say, right when the name you like told me the name of it, I was like Music City Hustle. Yeah, Justin Chance. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was supposed to like think think hustle. of it like their their idea for the title of the show was supposed to be Music City Hustle. Hustling. Like, but like if they yeah. they were trying to hustle us, they were basically. trying to hustle you off know? a show. Yeah. 
the, yeah. the, one of the funniest things was that that the band, the session band that we use on on that those recordings, and the same guys that I've used for my last two EPs, um, <clears throat> we have a group text with them, or, or the the engineer has a group text with them, and he, you know how you can title group text on iPhones, like like we have the Hatch House text. Yeah, yeah. Um, he uh, he named it after that whole thing. He named it the uh, the Paramount Minus Band. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, funny. Boy. So, yeah. Jabe, then you said you've been playing for three years on Broadway. What was the year that you moved here? 2018. The, the summer of 2018 I moved here. Yeah. So when you first moved here, was it more of an idea of like, I want to be an independent songwriter and stay away from Broadway? Or is it just more of you didn't know how to get into the... No, I mean, I was like, I was writing songs. The, the way I met Blaine was through a guy named Mark Allen Springer, who um, was a great songwriter and... Um, my my dad moved to town with him in like the late eighties. Really? In Nashville. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And so um he he would my dad was gonna be his manager and that was like the plan, the two country guys from Arkansas, you know. And uh uh Mark Mark became a very good songwriter. And so um he he had some his first hit was Tanya Tucker, Two Sparrows in a Hurricane, and then Kenny Chesney and you know this, but um, so Mark Mark had always kind of been around, and and I I would visit Mark, you know, before I moved to Nashville to show him songs, and and uh, he I, the first time I came was like it was the my freshman year of college, and I brought these songs, and I was like, oh, these songs are awesome, they're gonna love them, you know. And he just told me he was like, and they're not very good, <laughs> you know. Like he said the same thing to me when I moved. There. Yeah. You know, and it was like, like straight up, no sugar. Cut. Yeah, no, like, he was which like, is good, which is what you want. He was like, yeah. he was like, I like where your heart's at. He was like, I believe he was like, but he was like, do you really believe those songs? And I was like, I don't, and I was just trying to write a song to write one. You know, like, <laughs> That's not a right, Mark. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it was so good because it was like, you kind of need that, like someone to be honest with you or you'll yeah. just keep doing something silly. And, you know, but I would come out here and work with them. I'd stay with them. And when I moved in 2018, I was writing for his publishing company. So I was, um, he was giving me like a little bit of a draw to kind of pay for my rent. And so I was just focusing on that and playing a little live shows every now and then. But, and Broadway came way later. But Yeah. Well, Broadway is such a great way, you know, even when you are writing to, to even make that rent if you're not having a publishing deal whatever have you, because like you, I feel like you have free time during the day if you're not playing doubles, like yeah, yeah. to write and then go and play. That's awesome. Um, so how many days a week are you doing now? Oh, right now it's slow. It's, um, I, I, I've been doing five, you know, five, six, the most I've ever done is nine, you know, um, nine, like nine shows, shows in a week. That's oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Hustling. That's a lot. Yeah, and it's a lot on the voice, but I, they're all they're all like four hour sets. Yeah, four. Yeah. Oh, but it's a lot of singing. It's, I mean, there's a lot of players that do that. Right. They don't sing, but when you have to sing nine four hour shows, that's a lot on your voice. Totally. Yeah. Do you like try to conserve energy? Like, no, I don't know. I've never had. I've had like voice issues one time. Okay. But like, even when I was playing sports, like I never warmed up. Like I warmed up, but I was like, I don't know. I just never. I don't know. That, you also, I'm sure, I'm sure you build a tolerance to yeah. it too. Like you just get used to it. And I sing like a certain style that it's like, 
I'm comfortable in my range and I know where I can like not push in, you know, but speaking of sports, we can touch on that for a minute. So you're from Fort Smith, Arkansas, Greenwood technically, but that's right. Fort Smith is the, yeah. Yeah. Bigger town. Yeah. But uh, I always say Fort Smith because you, uh, you played football, right? Growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I played, you know, when I was first grade, it started and, uh, played through high school, through college. There you go. Crack it. That's cool. I uh, that, that's 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 what ended my football career. Was that <laughs> that beer right there? I uh, I can't throw a football. Oh really? No, I can't. It's one of the most embarrassing things. Jamie about me. teach you? No, because like uh, we we grew up overseas, like in the Middle East. Oh yeah. And like, there's no football. Like right. no one, no one. There's no football on the beach, or like there's no like football footballs. Like there's none of them. Yeah. So like. You just was not a game that was. You Did know. you ever watch it growing up? No, wasn't on TV. Really? Um, soccer was a thing, basketball was a thing, but football. When you so then I moved to the states, uh, and I went to University of Texas, mm-hmm. and like that's you, you, you gotta, gotta know football. Know football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you gotta know football. Um, yeah, that's such a wild like place to be in in your life, and then go to Texas. Like, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, um, so that's cool. So would watch the um, the Super Bowl. But it would come on at like 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it really would. All night. Dang. And like everyone would be at school the next day. Like, But Corey, you're from Texas originally, right? So when did you move over to the UAE? Uh, Seventh grade. Okay. So, so you knew football then. I knew football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know I knew what football was. Yeah, yeah. Like but I, you didn't watch it. Yeah. No, I didn't watch it. And then I went to college and was made fun of a little bit. <laughs> They'd throw me the ball. I could catch the ball. I have to kick it back, you know. It's way too far. <laughs> Um, so I say all this just to say I respect that you played football. That's I cool. loved it, man. It was yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, I was quarterback. I all my cousins played, and one of my cousins got drafted in the NFL. Like he was really, really oh, good. Cool. And um, so, like growing up is just kind of like it's what you did. And my town was—I wrote a song later called "Football Town." Mm-hmm. And my town—that's all we had was football, and we. Um, in high school, I had a really good coach, and we won 50 games in a row. It was like oh, wow. a span of like four seasons. And um, I went to play college. I got a scholarship at University of Tulsa. Was there for two years, and then um, transferred to Mississippi, and was uh, you know bouncing around. Went to school, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Shout out the Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what y'all know about that community college life? Y'all don't know anything about that. <laughs> Wait, I want to. I want to hear the story. You told me a story one time about you were playing. I think college football. I don't know whether it was Tulsa or Mississippi or where, but it was the game when you were on the sidelines and you were you were figuring out the other team's. Place. I was still in signals. Yeah, 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 yeah. So tell that story because it's it's freaking funny as hell. So I was a freshman and they were gonna redshirt me. So it's like you know, sit me for a year and keep my eligible, but. I uh, they wanted to travel me just because I was, um, I don't know. I just like being, you know. They I guess they liked having me around and stuff. And so I wanted to make myself useful. And I was kind of looking over one day at the other teams like signal and stuff. And I'm like, I think I know what they're doing. Like I think I know what that means. And it was like I was like speaking the language, you know. And I was like, I was like, like rain manning it. But uh, they were, you know, they were just doing like little signals. And I had a, a notebook with me. Um, 
I was taking notes for something else, but I, I started like writing down this stuff and um, I started yelling out different things. So the defense had got like my buddies, you know, and then the coaches kind of like realized what was going on. And then they were like, Hey, this guy's like doing something over here. And <laughs> one time I came in at half, we were playing the university of Houston and I had like, I'm not kidding you, like 40 of their plays. Really? And it was like all the quarterback, all the, all the quarterback runs. So it was like every time the quarterback was going to run the ball, I knew it. I knew well, it was with, coming. There's like a they do well, like the way they or were something? doing. No, they were doing. They were doing like celebrations of like quarterbacks. So they were like doing like money hands, Johnny Manziel. Oh, okay. So Johnny Manziel would do this money hand signal, and I was like, and then they would go right. And so I was like, okay, well, that's not very clever. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, stealing yeah, anything at that I mean, point. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I mean, there's like certain like. There's like concepts in football that are pretty universal. Like there's a flood concept, which is like a passing, like a certain routes. And they would do this, make rainfall. I'm like, oh, that's like flood. You know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Did they also do one where they're just like. (laughs) Just like the throwing motion. But I had a, yeah, it was, it was a university of Houston was like my, that was like my MVP game. Like I was going all out and, and uh, the, Houston coach, second half, they like realized what was going on because I was like, you know, I had like, I had my hat like down low, sunglasses. And it was like, I had like a posse of guys that were like trying to get in on it. Like we were like the signal stealers, you know? And um, they, uh, so basically the Houston coach, they, they started having a dubbing, like a dummy signaler. And so I was like, oh, I can't do both of these guys. Like, I don't know who, which one's like sitting in the real one. Yeah. And uh, they did it the first time where they had like two guys and, you know, one was doing the flood and one was doing the money Manziel. I'm like, I don't know. You know, and the guy that was I was stealing from, he looked right at me, flipped me off. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The grown uh, man is flipping off a yeah, yeah. year old. And, and, then, and then he came out and like after the game, they beat us. But like. They, uh, the coach came out, up to me after the game. He was like, how many did you steal? I was like, I had 40 by half, coach. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's amazing. But that it was, was like, awesome. it was, he was like, respect, you know? Because it was like, I could just, some of my friends were just like, you know, eating granola bars and like just chilling, like thinking about what they were going to do after the game. Right. And I was like, I don't know. I just wanted to like be involved because I wasn't playing, you know? Yeah, that's cool. That's but, not, that's not okay though, right? Like that's no, illegal. you can do it. You can it's do legal. it. Yeah, I thought that teams yeah, get no, like no, fine. Well, the whole that. Michigan deal was they were trying to still like this past season. The Michigan coach got suspended for the rest of the season up until the playoffs, I believe. They were going to other games and the guys were sitting in the stands. Oh, okay, so you can't do that. But like during the live game, yeah, yeah, live game, you can the field. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah, with, yeah, with, can't get in trouble for that. Yeah, yeah, it's just watching. Right, it's just smart. It's just. It's, it's just yeah, paying attention. But uh, yeah, I wasn't sure. I never really understood the Michigan thing. They were going to other. Was it games was it Harbaugh sitting? In the, yeah, Harbaugh. He, he not not him himself. He had a guy. That one guy that wrote the manifesto of how Michigan football was going to take over, like win like ten championships in a yeah in a row or something. I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not cheating, and I, I even like the coaches. It's like if you're going to give it away that much, it's like yeah, that's on you, kind of you know. So, so was uh, that. I mean, maybe that's a highlight of your career. Was that like, <laughs> would you say that's the highlight? <laughs> yeah, you do. I've got like a, hey, I've, I've got a highlight on YouTube of just me and like the sun. You know. No, yeah. I, uh, 
I, I played, so I, I didn't get much playing time. I got into a little bit of trouble in Tulsa. Got out. But, I mean, it was one of those things that it was like, you know, I was just partying a little too much and mm. and uh, just kind of needed a, a fresh start. and Went to uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast and had a great time. I actually didn't play a season there, but you go to these JUCOs to kind of get recruited to the go to another school. Because back in the day, there was not a – um, transfer portal, you know? Mm. So it was like, you had to go, you know, jump these hoops. And then I went to Delta State and I played a little Delta State. Like I, I really enjoyed playing football there. And I met a guy named Steve Azar, who's a musician, um, artist, country artist, you know, had a big hit in the early 2000s <clears throat> that kind of found me, called me one day and was like, Hey man, I hear that there's this quarterback on the team that's also playing country music. I'd love to meet you. And I was Oh like, really? That's how you met Steve? Yeah, he left me a voicemail. So it wasn't through Mark. Well, um, I mean I think Mark had told him that I was at okay. you know. Yeah. But it was like yeah, he just left me a voicemail one day. And I That's cool. Yeah. He's a he's a good guy. Yeah, he's great. He's so a, any anybody listening for you guys or anybody listening um, that may not be familiar with Steve Azar. If you know country music, early two thousands, his big hit was uh, "Me Till Mondays." I don't have to be me till Monday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's Steve Azar. So still gets played. Yeah, still gets you know played every Friday. It's, it's big, yeah, it's a big hit. Yeah, that sounds really familiar. I don't my country repertoire is not as good as you guys, but that sounds really familiar. Yeah. I like when you sing country. Thanks, man. I like the Cody, uh, no, the Texas country stuff you do. Thanks. I uh, don't know much of it, but I all I know is the stuff that Blaine showed me and all the Cody stuff. But Yeah. Um, You've yeah, you learned quite a bit of other songs, though, too, since you've been playing down on Broadway with us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know, like, I've got, I could definitely do a four-hour set by myself. Yeah. Um, That's but... impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can do 60 or 80 songs, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's one of those things where I make a lot more money with you guys because someone comes up and I have no idea what they just asked for and you guys yeah. are like, got it. <laughs> but, so, uh, so for going back to uh, the football, yeah, do you think that there are a lot of parallels between you know making music and making it in football? Do you draw a lot of parallels between the two sides of your brain? Uh, no, not like in a way I – Football is just so competitive, and it's like a, it's like you're constantly competing against. And I think music, like I don't look at music like that. And I think that's why I loved, like, in that point in my life, like music meant so much is that it was like you know freeing, and it's like you're not competing against anybody. It's just what you want to do, you know. And, um, in terms of like work ethic, I guess so. But I don't know. I I my football days, I I. I chair like I, I've got great friends that I still talk to, you know, that are coaches or you know still involved in football. And I, I after I stopped playing, I didn't watch it for like four or five years because I was just kind of burnt out. And it was my life for you know twenty, twenty one, twenty two years. But, it's funny. It's funny you say that. Uh, this past weekend, I was with my girlfriend and we went over to a one-year-old's birthday party. Past, mm. I think it was Saturday or Sunday. <clears throat> and we're just hanging out. And there's probably gonna be like five or six of us there. I think it was like, yeah, I think it was three couples and they were gonna have some friends come over. But we went over there and there was another couple at the house and I walk into the backyard and I saw the largest human being I've ever seen in my entire life. Like this dude was huge. 
And I was looking at him, and I look at Rain, and I go, that dude is like a descendant of the Vikings. Like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> He's huge. Massive beard, like down to here. His traps were like bigger than my... talking about Corey? <laughs> exactly. And... Um, First five minutes we get to chatting with each other. He's on the he's on the ground with his wife and they've got a one year old as well and they're just kinda like hanging out. And uh, I'm just talking to him, I'm like, So what do you guys do for work? And she's like, oh, I used to be a bartender down on Broadway and I'm like, Oh cool, yeah, I play down on Broadway every once in a while and I looked at him, I was like, So how about you, man? Like what do you what do you do for work? And he's like, Well, I don't have to work anymore. And I was like, What do you mean? He's like, Well, uh, I used to play for the Titans. And uh, it kind of just put me in a position where I don't have to work anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what? And then we started talking about football. Um, I didn't catch his name. Oh. His name is like. You were going to name job some like crazy. No, what what is crazy though, and I should look him up. I I didn't want to be like, what's your last name? I'm going to Google you later. Yeah. But we were talking about it and he started bringing up. I asked him what his favorite stadium was that he ever played in. And he was telling really cool stories about playing at Lambeau um, for a preseason game. And it was like crazy. And. And then playing, you know, at Gillette. And then I was like, wait, so this was like a while ago. He's like, yeah, it was a few years ago. And I'm like, he, he meant like a long time ago. So I was like, wait, did you play with Eddie George? And he was like, yeah, that was my that was my rookie season. I was on Eddie George's team. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, absolute legend. I'm a huge Titans fan. I'm trying to, I don't Yeah, what was his first name? You know his first name? Because he might know who he is. I think it was Ryan. I think his name was, first name was Ryan. <laughs> We're never gonna find out. Text train, figure it out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. All I know is um, that his kid's name was Arrow, so that nice. helps. <laughs> <Doesn't>. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you see somebody who's just like a specimen, just like yeah, oh yeah. You you want to just go up to him and be like, okay, so what do you do for a living? You're, yeah, yeah. you're you know seven foot. Yeah, yeah. I guess the reason I was telling that story though is because after he had told me about Titans and we talked about Eddie George and how long he played. Uh, he was talking about how he got an injury, and it, he was, he compared it to like having so much fun at the party, and then all of a sudden, someone just sucks you out of the party mm-hmm. when you weren't ready to leave, and that's what it felt like. And um, he just mentioned he was like, "I don't watch any football now." Like, I don't. Oh, even, yeah. I was like, "Do you follow Titans?" He's like, "Absolutely not, dude." I, he's like, "I don't even know what's going on. I don't watch it." And so yeah, it it goes back to like what you're saying. I think you just do something for so long, you're kind of burnt out. Yeah, and it was just like. It took me a while to, like, watch it and not, like, you know, because you always think, you know, I could have done better, tried harder, you know, and maybe I could be in the NFL not have to work anymore, you know? <laughs> like, uh, but it was just, I don't know. I, I found, like, a group of guys that, like, enjoyed watching mm. the Titans, and then I kind of got back into it, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, but, so would you say that football was, like, your first love, or was music your first love? I mean, music. I I... I mean, there's videos of me, like, playing. I, my dad plays guitar, and he he would, like, before we would go to bed, he would sing, like, one of two songs. It was either Country Country Boy Can't Survive or what's the Jimmy Buffett song? Pirateville? Pirates or Pirate something. Um, I, don't, well, I don't, yeah, I don't know a lot of Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. I don't know. It was one of those two songs, but I, I I remember as a kid like loving it. Like, and I I recently just have kind of had this like discovery of like l- listening to music again and realizing what like what I like and it's live music. I love concerts and I love watching YouTube videos 
And that's that's my like inspiration of music that I want to watch and kind of what I'm trying to focus on right now is getting stuff out that's on that you know, level and you know. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's get into songwriting a little bit, um, because you're you're a you're a great songwriter, and uh, you and I kind of connected that way first before you uh, um, started playing Broadway and stuff. But you know, you mentioned we met through Mark Allen Springer, um, but we've been writing songs together now for I don't know five years or whatever, however long it's been. But um, I mean, you're you're one of my favorite guys to write with, just because I don't know, you know, songwriting. We've talked about it before, like the you know just having like that chemistry or whatever in the room yeah i told you i wanted to show up and you told me that i couldn't i couldn't come i think it was him. i didn't say you couldn't come (laughs) i was was talking about how i would have to ask (laughs) ask the other artists in the room no that's cool i don't i don't want to come it's fine keep going (laughs) you're always no um yeah anyway i've always enjoyed writing with jabe and we've written some uh some pretty pretty fun pretty good songs together i think but uh I mean, he's one of my favorite songwriters. I just think he's he's a really talented writer. He writes a, and you write a lot. You write a lot. You write more than I do, and you write a lot. I think in general, he writes most days. Like he writes songs all the time, and that, that's really what it takes. I think if you really want to be great at it, um, but but he does it because he loves it. Like that's just his thing. Like he writes all the time. So I was going to get into that. Like yeah, talk about that a little bit. You well, written I, so many I, songs, but I appreciate you saying that. Um. It's the nicest thing you've ever said. To me. <laughs> well, once in a while, I dish yeah. out a compliment. <laughs> no, I, I enjoy writing with you too, man. It's it's one of those things that I don't know. I I feel like when you find like writing together, like when we write together, that we're not trying, you know, we're not trying to write a hit song. We're just trying to write whatever we want to do, you know. And we have like a thing where. I have this product. Can I tell my process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a secret. <laughs> so, I don't know if I've even told you this. So, Dr. Seuss, you know, Doc, you know, him and his like co-writing partner would write all these books together, and they had this like weird door in their house that they would open a door and they'd walk inside, and there was hundreds of hats. Have you heard this before? Mm. It's like hundred of hat hats in there, and they would put on a hat, silly hat, and look at each other until they would write "Green Eggs and Ham" or you know some you know <laughs> that was their like that was like their tradition that they did, and it was like a goofy thing that worked for them. And Blaine and I's tradition is after we write a verse, I put a dip of tobacco in, and then after we finish the chorus, we start drinking. <laughs> yeah, and that's always yeah. been that yeah. you know yeah. I thought when you were telling me the Dr. Seuss thing I, was, I thought you were going to say there's like a secret room you guys yeah. no, like, shoot, no. you put yeah, on a costume I, no, like, like, can... I, I read I read about you know like um, who was oh I can't recall it was some author that he'd always sleep with his body face in the north and he believed that it gave him some hmm. you know I think it was Charles Dickens actually Really? But yeah, it's all, it's like the weird, like we, we found that and it was like, it became a fun thing for us that it's silly and it's like, maybe doesn't do anything, but it's, I I like it, you know, it's fun. Yeah, it it is fun. And like in, uh, in the dip thing for sure, like usually typically we would, 
we drank more after the song usually than, right. than, than during writing the song, but yeah. uh, on a few songs, especially like Beer Tastes Better was the best example of that. We wrote that song and he told a story about it when he played it at the uh, Bluebird. <clears throat> and uh, he said, he goes, I went over to Blaine's house and, and uh, he goes, I brought over a case of beer. And we said, we'd either finish the song or finish the case of beer. And we finished both. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, what I was going to say is, you know, I was like, I think like most of us, um, before moving to Nashville, I'd never co-written before. Never really written a song with other people. Written a few songs by myself. Show up to town thinking you've got some good songs. Realize right away that you don't. And uh, But I dabbled around with co-writing with some other people around town. And it never really, like, I never really clicked with anybody as, as much as I did with Jabe. And I think it was mostly because everybody I would write with it was always like, oh, that's, I, you know, I've got from 11 a.m. to 2. Like, we got three hours. We got to write a song. It's got to be done in three hours, and that's it. Now we're on to the next song. And it's like, well, maybe you get a good song in three hours, but most of the time you probably don't. Like, most of the time. And the thing with him and I, like, there's never a time limit. Like, we, we write all day long, and sometimes we get a song, sometimes we don't. The last time we wrote, last week he came over to my house, we wrote for seven hours probably, didn't get a song, you yeah, know? we didn't get a and, song. And we, we worked on two or three ideas for a long time. And next thing you know, six or seven hours goes by and he's like, Oh shit. Wow. It's that time already. He's like, well, try again next week. And that's what we'll do. Like you pick up the same song or usually just just, never know. You never know. But I mean, one of my, actually probably my favorite song we've ever written together is a song that he, he cut that he hasn't put out yet called Thompson. And that day, we didn't have any ideas and we threw around all these ideas for hours and it was probably four or five hours into it before we landed on the idea for that song and then spent three or four hours writing that song. So here we are eight or nine hours later and we have a, a song, but it's like, it, yeah. it's a process. It takes sometimes, sometimes one falls out quick, but most of the time you got to work for it. Right. If you really want to write something good, you know, with yeah. some meat on the bone. And I think a cool part about writing too is that you could have a really long day or maybe you're pushing an idea. <clears throat> and I think most people in the room, if you've been co-writing for a long enough time, maybe you guys agree. It's like, you know when something's not going anywhere. And it's like, you know when to shelve it. I think that's important to do as well. But also keep in the back of your mind that like that melody might come back up in certain, some way. So like so have some kind of record. Because um, I've spent like, yeah, four or five hours with somebody on a song, nothing happened. And then I go home and I can't get this one verse melody out of my head or this chorus melody out of my head and then it like everything just kind of falls into place mm-hmm. um it turns into something whether it, you, you could even yeah. be a different song idea right yeah like, it could have yeah. been like a totally different lyric idea um but that's the cool part about uh, I, that's what i love about co-writing as well is because like everyone brings something to the table and someone can yeah. think of something that no, someone else wasn't and just catches on yeah brett, brett james talked about that brett james is a really a well-known songwriter in Nashville had written a bunch of hits, but he talked about one time where he wrote all day with a couple other co-writers and they just didn't get anything. And he left the co-write like feeling, he's like, he just kind of felt down about it. He was like beating himself up. Like, Oh, I stink. Like, it's a I'm, bad feeling. Yeah. 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 He's like, Oh man, I, you know, whatever. I suck at writing. And I'm not whatever. And he's driving home and on his drive home, he writes uh, when the sun goes down which turned out to be a huge Kenny Chesney uh, Uncle Cracker song that he just literally staring through his windshield just when the sun goes down we'll be like wrote the song in his head on the way home after spending eight hours in a writing room not getting anything and writes that song in his head on the way home and is a smash hit for Chesney and Uncle Cracker as a non-songwriter I hear you guys talking through this like I feel like it would be so hard 
to be objective about whether or not the song is not going well. Like you just end up like, you know, being in a, what's it called? Echo chamber or something. I feel like you need to ask other people like, Hey, is this good or not? Other people but, outside the room. Yeah. I mean? Or yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. The way, the way I see it is almost like if someone was to come up with a really funny joke and we all laugh and everyone's seeing everyone laugh. It's like, we all kind of know that was funny. Mm. And it's like the idea, like in a song, but what if you're just you and Blaine and you guys have the same sense, sense of, of humor, humor and you, well, you know, yeah. could be, could, could come be. Off. We've written a couple songs like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Where it's just, you know we I mean? like yeah. them, but no yeah. one else. Yeah. But, but no, that's a good point. But I think, um, I think that, uh, well, you know, both of us kind of got some mentorship from Mark Allen Springer, who's a really, really good songwriter. And also from uh, a guy named Kerry Kirk Phillips, who yeah. is another like one of the 90s guys, uh, country songwriter. And both those guys. And I remember Kerry Kirk telling me when I moved to town and Kerry's written a bunch of huge hits. But he I think I, I may have mentioned this on a previous podcast we did here but but it was the idea that when you move to town you've got a handful of songs you've written and you think they're really good and then and then you need to be able to look at your own stuff objectively and realize that it's not good right so you can learn from that and get but you need to be able to compare it to somebody like carrie kurt phillips who's written a bunch of big hits and see the difference and if you can't see the difference then you're probably never going to amount to much as a songwriter and so i think him and i kind of maybe took that to heart for a while and then we so now we you know over the years as we've written more and kind of developed our writing now we're pretty we're pretty critical well i guess yeah. my point is like we're pretty critical about what we write so if we're really working on something that we care about we're gonna beat it up until it's done until we mm-hmm. you know it doesn't matter how long it takes us you know that's a double-edged sword though too you yeah. know sometimes you are over critical and you think oh this thing's airtight but then you suck the soul out of it mm. sometimes it's got to be it's got to flow a little bit yeah, it's yeah. got to have a little life and you know i when i first moved to town i would bring songs into song writing sessions that were completely finished and i would kind of you know bait it up be like hey here's a song and i play it and the guy was like okay let's work on it and then we'd start working on it and i realized it turned into you know like a frankenstein of the song you know it was like mm. different parts were and it just it lost the soul of it you know mm. and even though the version that I wrote wasn't perfect, it was better than the, you know, overly edited thing that, so it's, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a yeah. tricky, you know, you yeah. got to put in work, but also you don't want to be over serious or, you know, yeah. also, too critical. to the idea of bringing like an idea to a right. That's another thing that you need to be careful about as well. Um, I did it one time with like a pretty much finished song. And we just basically wrote a four line verse, me and this co-writer, and then he got 50% on it. Whereas like, obviously that bridge probably wouldn't have been the same as it was if he wasn't in the room. But I think for me to speak to like bringing ideas to a room, it's like, you got to be careful about if this is something that you feel precious about. Cause I did feel precious about that mm-hmm. song, but I brought it up anyways. Um, and then after I left the right, I just kind of didn't feel, it didn't sit right with me because it did feel a little bit more Frankenstein. I was like, that song was already done, right. but now he's a part of it. And if I change it, uh, he's still a part of it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think just to kind of speak on that, like, it's always great to bring ideas, but 
be careful about bringing like full fledged ideas. As yeah, well. I, I don't really do that anymore. Yeah, I, uh, that's not because another co writer's like, oh, that's awesome, man. Puts yeah. in a line and then he gets credit and you cut it and it's right. like, yeah, yeah. could be. I enjoy. It. I love <laughs> co writing, but I've found like a new passion in solo writing because the the whole track aspect of it, building a track, which I'm like not good with building, you know, full out demos, but it's that's becoming. Oh, well, you're getting pretty good at it though. Like you, so you I'm got getting you better. Got, you got a yeah. little studio in your house. That's now. like a newfound inspiration for me. Is like actually taking the song to the finish line, mm-hmm. from you know just besides an acoustic vocal, I can put some drums in it and some bass and you know kind of hear the full sound and you know it's an it's an idea. It's I I told I told my dad he was you know why why do you go through all the effort to get a demo? I was like well I used to like draw a picture with just a pencil. And now I feel like I'm kind of painting a little more. Mm. I'm coloring. I got like, I can put a little more me into it, you know, mm. versus just, you know, drawing with a gray pencil. And the idea of that, you know. Yeah, well, we talked about the process of going in the studio with the with the session players, like the Nashville Cats, the guys yeah. that are really good. And uh, one of the things that Jabe mentioned was um, that he... You know, like if he can make these, we talked about like if he makes these demos and kind of gets his ideas down, like he knows he's not as good of a guitar player as the session guys are kind of thing. Right? Or, but if he at least forms the song more than just an acoustic vocal, gets it to where it's like kind of feeling and sounding like he wants it, then you can play that demo for the guys in the studio and then they can kind of bring that yeah. to life. And then you have a little bit more say in, in the creativity of the song instead of just here's an acoustic vocal. And then they go play their part. Right. And that's that's that, you know. Yeah, it can be intimidating too when you're around those guys that are, you know, seasoned and cut and they come up with a cool idea and everyone in the room's like, Whoa, that's awesome. And maybe it's not exactly what you want. You're and like, like, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was really yeah. for me, but like it's harder it was hard for me when I first moved here to speak up and I think I, I made my first EP that I never released that way, where everyone was just kind of using their artistic input on my songs. And I didn't know I didn't have a voice then and I just trusted them because I was 22 and I just moved here yeah and then I was like I came away from that experience being like man I really need to speak up in these moments because mm. that didn't feel like me right. and I didn't like that solo and I would have done it again even the guy the guy did it twice and I'm like yeah we can do that again until I get it right but like I didn't know how to say that and right so demos are a great way of being like this is you know 75% there right <clears throat> we need that last 25 to push it over the edge and make it real good yeah. But I want to keep the bones of it, and then we can go from there. Yeah, and still give the the players their their kind of creative freedom to, totally, to totally. add in their part. Like like not not that they have to play it note for note the way you made yeah. your demo, but like sure. give them like like you said the the basic structure and yeah. say like all right, this is the feel, this is the vibe, this is what we're going for. Yeah, and then then give them the freedom to play around, around with some stuff. And we talked about this before too, but one of the things I like about working with those session guys is that nobody in the room has an ego. Doesn't matter how many times they've won ACM awards for best guitar player of the year and, and all that. Like they, everybody just throws ideas around. And if you, and, and it's perfectly fine for me to speak up and say, I like that. I didn't like this. And nobody cares. Nobody gets butt hurt about it. You know, everybody's in the room to make the song as good as you can make the song. Yeah. And that's, that's the point. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so what's got you excited these days that you're working on? The, well, like the the tracking part of it, and I've got I built a studio last summer in my house, 
um, that I'm working and writing. And I'm excited about that because, you know, it's, it's like a whole different way of looking at songwriting that I'm not used to. And I, I read somewhere that I think it was Rick Rubin, you know, Rick Rubin, the producer, that he would take an artist, you know, that played guitar and wrote everything to guitar, try playing it on piano, you know, try writing something on piano. And it would bring out a whole different world of, I feel like I'm kind of in that point of like, I know I'm not great on this making tracks, but I love doing it. Like Mm -hmm. I found, I can go in there and just make a whole song, you know, and, I love doing that. That that's got me real excited. I've been writing a lot with that. I I've uh, you know back to like the live music and I found you know that I see I when I I don't know how you guys listen to music. I I search YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. That's my way. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know live. You know Tom Petty live. I've seen them all. Yeah. And so my thinking of it is is. I don't think I'm great at social media and that kind of stuff, but maybe I can do like live music and, you know, I've got the studio and video it. And that's, that's what's exciting to me is I I think there's a, something in my brain's kind of working towards something that I don't have it all laid out yet, Mm. but I, I've really kind of stepped back and I went to, uh, I went to Bonnaroo last year. Have y'all ever been to like a music, like big music festival? Or, mm-hmm. Dude. And so the cool thing for me was I play music all week, almost every other day. And I go to this music festival and I'm seeing all these different acts. And I just got totally inspired by a live music again, like seeing someone else doing it. And it kind of sent me on a direction of, you know, really focusing on, that aspect of things and you know not getting too overcritical in songwriting and being a little more free and let the track speak a little bit more and not every song has to be you know the the thompson song that we wrote that's very lyrical and very meaningful and and you can write some you know fun good tempo you know just you know, that that's kind of like where my head's at now is you know just kind of looking at all angles of it you know that's cool i feel like that's a very um natural like mature approach to it versus like trying to force something you mm. know yeah i like that so what uh so what do you uh because you write all the time you write a lot by yourself so are you working on a, a project or any, anything or what, what's your I plan on. I keep. Working. I've got a big old Dropbox of songs that I keep adding to that I want to do an album, and I think we've talked about this. Yeah. The, the idea of an album versus putting out a bunch of singles, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I I that's that's kind of where my head's at is to create an album, mm-hmm. and I'm at the point now where, you know, I'm I'm ready to start recording some of these songs and. <clears throat> get it out there but I don't know I just it's it's one of those things that it's like you never feel like you're ready yeah. like you feel like you can write a better song or you know so that's that's probably my one you know 2024 resolution is to kind of okay just pull the trigger dude yeah you know, just eventually you gotta pick your your, yeah. your 12 favorites and go with them or whatever your right. 10 favorites and go you know yeah. it's like cause it, yeah you can do that 
that forever. You can say, oh, it's not quite perfect. Yeah. It's not quite there. But eventually you just got to pull the trigger and say, all right, these 10, these 12, these are it. Yeah. I've been guilty of that before of just like, it's, I think it's called like destination addiction where you're kind of like, once this happens, I'll be able to do this. And then once right. that happens, I'll do this. So like even this podcast, like I think week one, this room was like, there wasn't a table. It was just like messy and like, mm. We didn't have microphones. Like we all just kind of scrounged out some stuff. Week two, it's a little bit better. Week three, it's a little bit better. And yeah. I think it's kind of nice to just like, you know, just work work through it. And if people are watching you work through it to like where you're trying to get to 100, people want to watch you go from 10, 20, 30, 40, cool. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to say, okay, I'm going to show everybody once I'm at 60. Yeah, and then yeah. once I'm at 60, I'll show them at 70 yeah. and then 80, Yeah, you know? And so I've been guilty of that where I'm like, I'm not going to put myself out there until I feel like I'm a 75. But right. with this podcast, I think I started at like a two and then a four. And <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I like that approach though. though. That's yeah, cool. It's just a natural, yeah. natural way of doing it. So yeah. Yeah, I think for, for well, music. And plus, yeah. we, we obviously, we understand that there's not a million people listening to this yet. I mean, what? We checked the stats, Corey. Just okay, the I'll day. see y'all later. Yeah, how, how, thirty thousand, thirty thousand on the first one. Are you serious? No, I, yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> I was gonna say, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. maybe, say, maybe. How many bots were involved? Thirty, <laughs> maybe thirty. Yeah, we bought a what, bunch of yeah. <laughs> yeah, what I'll say about releasing stuff and that kind of—I never heard that. Uh, what do you say? Destination hopping, destination addiction. Destination addiction. I also I don't know if that's a real thing. We might need to look that up, or if I made it up. I like that you made that up. That's good. good. I love that. I made it up. Yeah, kind of sounds like a term. A DJ. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I mean, my brother. Destination. (laughs) My brother uh, is an artist as well, and he always pushed me to put out more. And I wish I had put out more, and still do want to put out more, but. he kind of put it in a very simple way of like, you know, how do you build a foundation if you have nothing out? Like if you're waiting around for your favorite thing to come out to make you the most success, to make you the most famous, like, yeah, you can do that. It's one offs, you know, but what it, what's cool about releasing stuff is you get to see your own progression. And then you're also, you're finding those early fans that then stick around. If they like you from the beginning, they're going to like what you're putting out next. And, And I think it just starts with like, this is the best I can do right now. So I'm going to release it and I love it. And then if you don't love it in three years, great, that's fine. But realizing that you like, you're always going to grow. You're always going to change. And I think it's important to remember as like artists um, to just kind of focus on being able to look back and see where you've come. Cause if you don't have a starting point, then you don't really know where you're at. You know, but, I don't know. That's just kind of how yeah. I think about it. Yeah. Well, I think going back to the album thing too, um, because you and I have talked about it. I think, you know, you and I have talked about it as well too, Will. But, um, you know, it seems like today everybody's, you know, so caught up with, you know, social media and TikTok and everything. And it's, and I started to realize even myself kind of going that, you know, not really going that way too hard, but like you get, you get caught, even if you don't want to, you get caught up in like the whole, like, oh, just keep putting out singles and, and, Try to get one to go viral because that's how you get a record deal and that's how it works in this town now, which it is. But um, I think that what I love about music and I know what Jabe loves and I think what we all love about music is that like 
whatever happened to the days of, you know, recording a full project, a full album, you know, and then like sitting down and listening to that thing as a fan, start to finish. And you, whether you buy it as a 45, as a record or a CD, you take the little pamphlet out and you read through and the lyrics of the songs are all in there and, and the people that played on them and, and the, you know, all the, all the credits are in there. And it's like, you get to know the artist, you know, if you go back through Tom Petty's catalog, which I know you, you're a big Tom Petty fan, yeah. like all that stuff, you know, like Tom Petty didn't write songs for TikTok. You know, it's like yeah. you go into a writing room in Nashville now. It's like, hey, uh, what can we write that's going to go viral on TikTok tomorrow? It's like, well, is that really the point? Is that think, really what we're trying to do? Here? I think my favorite thing is like with my favorite artists is to listen to their entire album and then find the tracks that are like the deep cuts, you know? Yeah. And you yeah. kind of hear the, the story a little bit more than just like whatever song kind of popped off. So I love the idea of people putting out an album that's like a cohesive story and you know, maybe you started and you, you finish it two years later. And as you're, you're just naturally creating the story, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I like that approach as a non songwriter who, you know, yeah. I like that concept more than just like, well, let's go out and find the next trend that we think exactly. could, could kind yeah. of pop off. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I know like when, when Will gets his next album done, cause I know he's going to do a full album cause we keep talking about it and he's going <laughs> to, he's going to do it. And James, gonna do a full album like when both these guys release those projects i'm gonna sit down at home and pour a glass of whiskey and play it start to finish yeah it's that's my favorite and that's that's, that's how it's favorite. supposed to be like yeah. like artists yeah. take time to, to consider the order of the tracks in the album for a reason yeah it's meant to be listened to that even way. even like mm-hmm. when they have like little inter- interludes or like intros yeah. and outros like those are the best like yeah. really so yeah i think do put an album out yeah yeah that's I love that though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Tom Petty's my favorite artist, mm-hmm. but it's not because of his hit song. He's got a ton of them, but it, it's those it's those ones that you find on your own. Yeah, you know, and you you own that. That's yeah. Everyone else can take free falling. I love free falling. Right? Yeah. I won't back down. But it's like I've got crawling back to you, and I've got room at the top. Like these songs that were. You know, Tom Petty fans love them, but not everyone knows it. I I want to get to that point as an artist that I put out enough work that people can find their song that they relate to. Yeah, you know. And, yeah, that's the cool thing about albums too is you listen to a whole record and you know you might find one or two you're like oh that doesn't really speak to me and then you talk to maybe one of us hears the same record and you, they think the exact opposite of that song like oh yeah. I love that yeah. song and it's like and then you have that debate of like well I like this one way better yeah well and, and that's fine because everybody has their favorites exactly you know? Yeah. It doesn't, you know that's music but but it, go, it also goes back to the point earlier about you gotta put music out yeah. you know yeah. we all need to just put music out you know and in 30 years from now you can look back on it like you know you're not gonna regret that you put music out you know? I think as long as it's authentic to you in that moment yeah like as long as you're not trying to be something you're not, you know, I think um, it's kind of cool to look back and be like, yeah, I put that out when I was like 25 and that's what I was going through and that's how I felt about it. And it's kind of cool to look back on it. But if you're trying to like, I've seen a couple artists that are trying to be something and it doesn't feel authentic to them, you know, and you're like that I could see is like not as, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit tougher. Yeah, definitely. I got a question. If you want to be a songwriter here, but you can't sing, could you like realistically make a living? Oh yeah, writing songs, but not 
Oh, yeah. Were you talking about anyone in particular? That's a great question, and it's, it's, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely it can, doable, yeah. and it happens all the time. Yeah, I, could t- I can tell you how you do it. Yeah, how, what would that look like? You, you get Logic Pro on your computer, and you get really good at making tracks and beats, mm-hmm. and those guys kill it. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's a, a good point. Guys. So in today's in today's Nashville, if you if you become a track guy, yeah, like Jake yeah. said, those guys kill it. Like this, now everybody wants to write with a track guy. So like here's here's your like kind of stereotypical Nashville writing room today on Music Row. You're gonna have uh, a songwriter that's probably the more the lyric heavy guy. Um, you might have another another songwriter that's a melody guy. But you're gonna have a track guy that's coming up with the beat, with the progression, with all that, and then you're gonna have an artist because everybody TikTok, wants to write with an TikTok artist. artist. Yeah, a, t- a TikTok, yeah, the cra- yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have a TikTok artist because yeah. everybody wants to write with an artist now because the only way, most of the time, that your song has a chance to get cut is if you write it with the artist. Otherwise, these songwriters can write great songs all day long and nobody cuts the song. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one avenue. You could you could become a track guy. Somebody that if there's somebody that couldn't sing but wanted to be a songwriter, you could do it that way. But even if you go back before the whole track guy thing, like there's plenty of guys that, that can't like if you go like I love it actually going to a writer's round and listening to some guy that can hardly pick a guitar and hardly sing a note. But he wrote a monster song. Those like, guys are great. Yeah, yeah. I it's love, like yeah. I went to like when I first moved here. Uh, Mark Alan Springer took me up to. Uh, um, Kerry Kurtz thing he did up in his hometown in uh, Henderson, Kentucky or whatever. Yeah. And, and it was like a writer's round thing. And Kerry Kurt had a bunch of these you know, big hit writers from the 90s go up there. And there was a guy that uh, had written a bunch of uh, huge hits with Alan Jackson. Um, and uh, and a phenomenal, phenomenal songwriter. But he didn't play guitar that well. And he, he didn't sing very well. But just sitting there and watching that guy sing those songs that I've been singing my whole life that are huge Alan yeah, Jackson hits. Way, yeah. And he's just kind of hacking away on the guitar and, and singing the best he can. And it's like, damn, that guy wrote that. You yeah, know? yeah, that's it's a like, cool feeling. It, I know. There's a difference between singing and writing. You know, like, right. you, you can, if you have what it takes to be a great songwriter, you don't have to sing a note. You know, you want to have somebody in the room that can help you put it to a melody or something and come up with a chord progression. But, you know. Yeah, I think there's room for Corey in those rooms with being a track guy Come just on. like no for real Corey's really talented yeah with, so yeah that's one I know because I know you do a lot of stuff with, with tracks so you definitely yeah, can do the track he, guy thing he also is a great writer that sticking to my gun song is really good we, I write we, a little bit we gotta um, do something we don't yeah. me and Corey have been low key making songs together since we were kids yeah. but we found out very early that I'm a terrible singer oh and, shoot uh, <laughs> so, so chain smokers right here dude. no 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 uh, I think we we wanted to be that for the longest time. So now we're trying to figure out like how to get Corey in the room where he's not the artist or the singer, but he contributes a lot by building the track and yeah, just yeah. that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Well, we should write sometime. We should. Yeah. We should yeah. just yeah. we should get together and write sometime. Yeah. Um, but uh, one thing I was going to say is we need to we need to start doing this. But and once we start like booking our guests out enough in advance to give Corey some time, but. Uh, we need to do the whole idea where you take one of our guest songs yeah. and remix because he makes really, really good remixes. Oh, He's got shoot. a killer remix of uh, of one of Will's songs. Yeah, and uh, and it's like it's kind of like well, last time you made it the outro of the podcast, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, but 
Um, but yeah, like that's and like not tell the guest, you know. So like if yeah. you didn't know about it, and then he took one of your songs uh, and like remixed sick. it, and then yeah. we play it for you here. Yeah, um, we need to start doing that. Yeah, but we need we need to also like book our guests out in, in enough in advance so he has time to do it. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a great like little segment that we should do yeah. for sure. Be fun. You yeah, like doing that stuff do too. Within twenty four hours. Like <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you need some more time, right? Yeah, yeah. So are you uh, are you working are you uh, working on this album yet, or is it not? Has it started yet, or is it not? Started I think or? I think I'm still writing. Yeah, I, I I've got some like for sure things that I want to be on there. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's, it's not really, it could be done. I I could, I could put it out. (laughs) Thank you, doggy. (laughs) That was your encouragement. Yeah. 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 I think he was saying, just put it out. (laughs) Yeah. Just get it done. Do you, uh, do you, do you and Elena ever find yourselves writing together? No. (laughs) Yeah. No. We, we wrote, um, right in the beginning of our relationship. We wrote a song, but I don't know. It's just, she's kind of doing her own thing. And like, we kind of, we, we work together. I record stuff whether you know, and we play shows together, but she, it's kind of, it's kind of strange, like getting in a writing room with your, you know, girlfriend mm-hmm. in a way of like, it's like, okay, are, wait, are we talking about you or are you talking about someone that you used to like or yeah yeah that yeah that could are we be, talking yeah. about are we gonna write a song about your ex right now yeah yeah I, that that gets kind of strange you know yeah but no i mean it's great having like you know her she doing her own thing and she she's about to record a killer song that i'm pumped about and um but yeah it's it's funny because people would assume that you you know we'd probably work together you know more yeah. more than we do but we've just kind of we haven't found that stride yet. Kind of like Blaine, you know, Blaine and I write better together than my girlfriend and I do, you know. Like, but it's just like we we kind of like you know we know the direction and like Elena and I, it's like are we you know are, what what are we trying to go for you know like write love songs to each other like I don't know right. we would just laugh the whole time and be like oh this is cheesy that we're doing this yeah you know? well, when when we when we write. Um, and I think you, Will, you mentioned it earlier about like not being comfortable with something that happened in the writing room when you're writing somebody and then you, but you didn't speak up or it didn't, you know, whatever. But with, with Jabe and I, there's none of that. Cause it's just like, if one of us isn't feeling it, we just say, yeah. we're not feeling it, you know, and, I know. You know, and the other person doesn't get offended by it. Are it you, just, oh, you know. I've gotten so much better at that. Oh no. Yeah. It's, and I, and it's I mean, so like touchy that. too. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it's like people always say it's like dating, you know, it's yeah. like, you got to. F- yeah. feel them out like right. are they going to be offended are you guys yeah. like seeking out new people to write with or not it's really? not that much and that's the thing like and that's what i was going to talk about like because i think it works so well when it's your friends and you know each other so well you, you know can the, say, like, the, yeah, you can say whatever you want at the same time like you know diversity and thought can yield some really great results so yeah. it's kind of nice to take someone that yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm just like, I'm open. I'm always open to writing with, with, uh, with new people, but it's like, I feel like, I don't know, maybe you guys can speak to this, but for me, 
I can probably tell within the first right, maybe, maybe two right. It's all ever happening. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah, usually it's like you write one time and it's either like, that was really, you, you, you don't even necessarily yeah. have to get a song. Like you just get the right vibe and the right chemistry. Mm-hmm. And it can right. be like, yeah, that was, that was good. Like I want to, I want to work with that person again. Or it's just like, man, that this is, I'm never ready. Oh again. yeah. yeah. That happened to me a lot when I first moved here, I'd go and play open mics and, people that just you know weren't good they weren't good like i'm not trying to be mean but it was like i was just doing because i didn't know anybody and i was like sure i'll go over right and then it's like i spent four hours with this one artist that was like we didn't get anywhere and it was like wasn't even like we could have gone anywhere the idea was horrible but she was so convinced that she loved it um that's happened to me before (laughs) and then what's the name of the what's the name of the song and who is the person <laughs> I honestly don't remember her name. I think she moved to. Uh, yeah, don't U- say it. Don't. Yeah, you're gonna UK. give away clues. <laughs> or like Iceland or something. But I met her in a okay, flight. That's real specific. Yeah. She moved to Antarctica. Yeah, she Iceland, she realized that music wasn't her thing. She but, uh, moved uh, to Antarctica. But what I will say is, like, yeah, there's been rights where uh, I've actually, I feel like I've more got rights with people trying to be like, hey, I'm trying to finish this song for my project. I want to write this with you which is actually really fun for me because it takes my ego, my like artist, like my artist mind of like, is this for me and it's for you? Then I'm going to work like really hard to make sure that I think it's good mm-hmm. as opposed to being precious about any of the lines where it's like, I'll just throw ideas out there and th- start throwing things at the wall. And you know, if they love it, then great. If not, then like we just keep working on it. But I do like working like towards other people's projects as much as my own. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like it's a really unique experience, especially you know, it's it's funny. We we do this like each week, and I'm like a total outsider to like most of these topics that you guys talk about. So it's really cool that you guys yeah. like share it with me. But also, at low key, want to experience it. You know. Well, here's what we need to do. So we need to, and this might be the group to do it with. But we need it. We've talked about getting a tune hatch like theme song or a, a, like a tune uh, hatch house podcast like intro song. Mm. Like maybe we need to write one five of us yeah yeah it'd be fun let's yeah. do it it'd be fun Corey's Actually, gonna make Corey's gonna make the track yeah and uh and five of us will sit down Corey's and... genre is very different than your guys' genre it's fine what do you do Corey I mean I mostly do electronic oh stuff, yeah so. but I mean Bonnaroo baby Corey can do Corey, Corey, uh, Corey got hired to, to DJ a private party for the Toronto Maple Leafs hockey team when they were in Nashville. Uh, oh. a- after the game, uh, they wanted to do like a private party and he was the DJ. You DJ? I do a little bit. Bro, I, so my my uh, buddy's a, like a DJ. Yeah. And I've he, he brings it to like every party that we have. And I've ended up, and it's cool though, like we love it because yeah. he plays with, but I've, I've started getting on the board a little bit and he's yeah. taught me, I love it. It's fun. You ever done yeah. it? I've never done it. No. No, oh, I've always, I've Dude, always like stood is... behind and pretend like I know what I'm doing. And I'm just like, no, I mean, it's just like what I was talking about, like with the tracks and like, it's just a new way of looking at music hmm. to where it's like, you're lining up the BPM or the, you know, the, and you got to fade the song in and like, there's all these different ways that you can get to the next song, but it's like your creativity gets there. Yeah. But yeah. Corey's, I love that. It's cool. Corey's done a couple odd, odd music jobs. Yeah, we did one DJ sit on a, on a boat. Oh, yeah. Sick. Oh, wait. You <laughs> told me about that. Did you guys get paid that's, for that? Oh, wait, that's your, I, I want to hear one or two of these stories before we wrap up. This will be... Well, it was, it was a Vanderbilt <laughs> thing, right? Yeah, it was a Vanderbilt thing. And it's just like, they go out with a bunch of little, 
I guess they're pontoon boats. Is that what you call them? I don't boats. know. They're like boats. platform boats with like a... With a roof and a slide and yeah, a grill yeah, exactly, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then they like go out to Party Cove, which is Percy Priest somewhere out there. And they just like link them all together. And we just brought out a Dude, generator you did great. and speakers and set up on top. And it was cool. It was exhausting. Why? <laughs> how, how long did you do It's high. mentally straining. It's a yeah. mental... Yeah. Well, it's like it was super hot. And we're like, everyone's drinking the whole time. And you go out there at like 10 a.m. And you stay out there till like four. Oh, you DJed for that long? Six yeah. hours? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Go I would have just put like a playlist on Spotify and walked away. <laughs> I think towards the end. Yeah, that yeah. Been yeah that's what we did. I was like, who wants to play a song? Yeah. 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 yeah, that's what I would have done too. Yeah, you're like floating in the middle just with like. Where's your DJ? You've got like the whole, you get the whole yeah, controller on your lap and you're just like. Uh, yeah. next song <laughs> have you ever DJed on Broadway no no they, they have some DJs like late oh, night yeah. stuff now yeah. I feel like those guys yeah, must make not. really good money probably they're not getting any tips one man band yeah one man band also that would be so annoying that like I remember going when I first moved here going to those like rooftop bars with the DJ and it was super fun for me but like as a DJ and you have like you're just there probably for like six hours and there's just like hundreds of people maybe it's fun for them but like I would just be like get away from my booth I just remember people yeah. like crawling yeah. all over to like yeah. ask for a song. Yeah. Yeah. But DJing downtown would be a wild experience. The girls like DJs. Yeah. We had a party the other night. Whoever was on the DJ board, girls just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why we get into music, isn't it? Yeah. Can you play here? Can you play, can you play this song? What? You want my number? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Do you know Taylor Last Night by Morgan Wallen? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, no, my my number ends in five eight six one. <laughs> yeah, Corey's great DJ does a lot of good stuff. I think I really like that idea of working together on a th- on a little theme song. I know yeah. we've we've thought about you know putting out or using it. We have a little segment that we use, but it would be really cool if we like made an official one. Yeah. We should do that. Let's yeah, do Corey, uh, Sorry, can we remix one? Jay, of are you good at writing uh, jingles? Yeah, yeah. A jingle. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We need, we need a fun. Hatch House podcast jingle. Yeah, let's do it. Well, look, Welcome this... Welcome to Hatch House. Oh, <laughs> oh maybe. Shoot. Maybe we'll put that... Will's already got us on the, <laughs> on the start there. there that, that might be the end. <laughs> like the 30-second jingle that ends with, Welcome to Hatch House. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think we'll end it with that. Maybe in the outro, maybe Corey will... Damn, where'd you find that? Remix that right there <laughs> in the outro, cool. yeah. Uh, Jade, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Jade. Thank you to everyone Appreciate else you, for, for coming, and, and thank you all for listening. Welcome to Hatch House. Well, look, this... Welcome to Hatch House. This is Hatch House. This Yes.